Welcome to Arts Roll Call, a podcast showcasing artists and arts organizations, highlighting the role of the arts today in Greater Lansing. I'm Robin Miner Swartz. I'm an editor, communications consultant, and lifelong arts advocate. And today I'm talking with Marissa Tawney Thaler. Marissa started her career with a BFA from Kendall College of Art and Design, working as an elementary art teacher, and she used her school breaks to focus on her personal work. So in the fall of 2018, Marissa left teaching to pursue a career as a freelance illustrator. Since then, she's developed the origami-inspired series Drawing Folded Paper. She's illustrated two children's books, Get That Grit and The Itchy Secret, and she's completed several murals excuse me, in the Lansing area. Marissa's work is often narrative in structure. It's something that she calls bittersweet aesthetic. She aims to find the lighthearted side of struggles and moments of connection in everyday happenings. Hi, Marissa. Welcome to Arts Roll Call. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Marissa, art is clearly a passion for you. What is your art story? How did you get started creating? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much what I do day in and day out. Um, I was always interested in drawing, I guess, but I didn't really um, fall in love with it or even learn how to do it until um, I was in college. So I went to, I started out at Grand Rapids Community College and learned to draw from the ground up. So I'm classically trained. And um, then when I switched to um, Kendall, I went into the illustration program and, um, and then switched a couple years later to our education. So yeah, so I taught for about a decade. And like you said in the intro, I left about, it's about four or five years ago now to do mm -hmm. illustration full time um, and kind of continue my art journey that way. <laughs> so that's really cool. I mean, because I think a lot of people assume when when you're an artist that you've been like drawing ever since you could hold a pen or a crayon or something in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did not fall in that category. But I think that was um, something that really served me. And I didn't know that until I looked at it later. So like when I... Um, when I started at Kendall um, in the illustration program, the illustrators are the kids who have been drawing, you know, superheroes and characters from the time they could chew on a pencil. And that just wasn't me. So I was in my head way behind my cohort. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm competitive, but also I was scared to death that I didn't fit in. So I think that dynamic really prompted me to work harder than my classmates and just develop this work ethic and tenacity that's continued to serve me throughout, you know, my couple of careers now. <laughs> well, it must have been interesting as an adult to come at that process. And, you know, like you said, kids are drawing usually kind of typically superheroes or things like that along certain lines. Like, how did you find your style? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I... I don't know if I can pin it down because I don't know if I realized I had a style until somebody pointed out to me. They said, you know, this is, I see your aesthetic in this and this. And I was like, I didn't even know I had an aesthetic. So <laughs> reevaluated my work, but I had already left college at this point. So um, I'm, I'm seeing it more and more now in my work. Um, but yeah, just, I'm, I'm definitely more um, drawn to drawings. I love line quality, like in a room full of paintings, I'll head right to the drawing, you mm -hmm. know? So anything with like a really beautiful line quality draws me in. And I think that's kind of what I emulate in my own work. But then I, I would say more often than not, 
the stuff that I do is narrative. So um, like most illustrators, right? If you narrative piece, it tells a story and you can look at an image and kind of feel the before and the after if you do it correctly. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. Well, I want to stay on this line because part of what you've done also is publish children's books. So you're talking mm. about narrative, you're talking about those kinds of things. Is that an area you'd like to continue to explore? Did you ever expect you would publish books? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, okay, no, I didn't expect that I would publish books. I'm not that like self-confident, but <laughs> I hoped for it. And I think that is, um, that's pretty much what you go in all starry-eyed to the illustration program hoping to do. It's like, okay, either illustrating children's books or comic books. And so I think children's books was always a hope, but um, I, I definitely want to keep going with it. What I have found is the projects that are children's book projects for me are the most personal, right? Because I think they take the most time. Um, I pour the most of myself into them. So what I found is that I will work really hard on them and then I have to pull back. Mm -hmm. So I'll spend a few months just diving in and focusing and then I pull back and I have to say, you know, okay, time to step back, work on something else. I will reevaluate and then I can come back to it with fresh eyes. Um, because you know, when you get too close to a project and you don't see either, you don't see the flaws or you're not ready to acknowledge them. Um, that's, that's where I fall when I spend too much time on it. So uh, there's one project that I've been working on for a couple of years now and same thing. I mean, like three or four years where it's the same thing you have to dive in and then pull back over and over again. So it's a little bit slower of a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, but it sounds very um, thoughtful and intentional too. Yes, absolutely. I think the projects that I'm working on are, I got my dog here. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> the projects that I'm working on and the stories that I'm interested in telling are, um, the stories from myself are not just fun little narratives. I really enjoy um, something that is deep and meaningful. So one of the book projects that I'm working on focuses on grief. And then mm -hmm. another project that I'm working on focuses on um, uh, just taking like another look at childhood trauma and um, like developing out of that and healing. So they're, they're heavier stories mm -hmm. um, than just, you know, like a quick little monster book. But um, those definitely have a place and I think mine have a place too, but I think it also requires a different process. Sure. And there's, there's gotta be a lot of, um, in a sense, you have some really great control because you're doing the both and of it. You're writing the story and you're creating the illustrations. Absolutely. And for a huge control freak like myself, <laughs> to put, <laughs> put myself, <laughs> it's also a lot of personality and I try and, or personality, it's a lot of like, um, responsibility. And so I try not to take it too seriously because it's still a children's book at the end of the day. And if, if your children's book feels like, you know, a pamphlet, you, you're doing it wrong. So yeah. <laughs> balancing act. Yep. Yep. That's great. Well, part of your path has also included participating in projects that are connected to the Arts Council of Greater Lansing. How did that relationship start and what significance has it had on your career? Yeah, I moved to Lansing um, over oh, about 
about like 10 or 15 years ago. So I still, I still kind of feel a little bit new to the area, but, um, when I was new to the area, um, somebody turned me on to the arts council and I signed up and became a member, but I didn't really get into it. I didn't really participate. I didn't read all the emails or, you know, look at the website. And so, um, at the beginning, I didn't really, not that I didn't get a lot out of it, but it, it wasn't really much of a relationship. But then later when I was like, oh, there's this opportunity that they're offering. I'm going to engage. I'm going to use, you know, this platform to connect with other artists. And it was this as soon as I started to put into it, that's when I started getting out of it. So it was like it was a really good um exercise to kind of like uh, get acclimated with the art scene in Lansing mm -hmm. um, and what was going on and then the different um, opportunities that they were offering, you know, starting to apply for things and starting to dig in. And I did not get everything that I applied for, obviously. <laughs> But if you if you do get something, you know, even a couple of good conversations and leads that really helps build momentum. So I think I would definitely attribute a lot of the momentum that I've been able to build up for myself, um, even like just in my working life, like not just getting stuff, but like um, like encouragement even from other areas and relationships you know that really helps propel you forward in you mm -hmm. know your art journey <laughs> yeah it gives <laughs> you a community yeah in the community absolutely absolutely because it's, mm -hmm. it's just too hard to work on something so personal in a complete bubble mm -hmm. you know it's it's I would say almost impossible to create when you're not exposed to something outside of yourself. Yeah. You know, that's so a good I way to look that, at it. Yeah. Arts Council is a great, great um, avenue to get there. Well, and more recently, you've been creating larger works. You've been creating yeah. and, and contributing to the public art scene in Greater Lansing. So, what is it like for you to do a, a whole mural? <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's interesting because um, I was talking to my studio mate and we we have this thing where it's like, how can we at the same time as being um, like having this imposter syndrome, how can we also have this ridiculous self-confidence to do something we've never done that like we have no business expecting that we'll be able to do? So it's these two things working in tandem. And I think um, that's kind of what it was with the, the first um, with the you know, the murals that I've been doing and specifically the one for art path under the Shiawassee bridge, mm -hmm. you know, it's something that I had applied for a few years and, um, hadn't been granted it. And then this year I was like, Oh, I'm going to go big. So I proposed to do this piece with like a thousand paper cranes with that story, you know, a thousand paper cranes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, this is a beautiful piece. I'm so excited. And then I got awarded the opportunity to do it. And I was like, Oh no, now I have to do this. How do I do this? <laughs> no, so it was very, um, it was very intimidating. Each, each mural is still very intimidating to me. So, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the risk and reward though. Like the risk is higher. So I feel so much, um, validation and, and so much pride 
in those big murals that like, wow, can you believe you did this? Can you believe you completed this? You know, um, they've been, they've been really scary going in, but really, um, really gratifying on the way out. Mm -hmm. How often do you go see it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I do some, um, I should do more, but I love (laughs) to tag down that way because the, um, the river trail is so beautiful and you get to see all of the artwork too. And um, so, yeah, whenever, whenever I go for a jog, I try and head past it just to kind of check it out and see how it's doing. Also just kind of pat myself on the back a little bit. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your most recent public work is the piece that went up on the, the board of water and light and Rio town central substation. Can you talk a little bit about the art moves Rio project and why you think these part, these types of projects are so important for the community? Oh yeah. I think art moves Rio is a really, really cool thing that's going on. And, um, I think like at its core, um, street art, uh, murals, public art, they make such a huge impact to a community and can like really boost morale. I mean, it's placemaking. It's something that the community uh, community can get behind and get excited about. And so I think um, that's part of it. But then on top of it, there's this element where my piece isn't going to be up there forever, right? So every six months or so, like this is going to be something that will change. And so each time it's ready to change like other artists, emerging artists, um, established artists, local people will get a chance to have their work up there. So it's like this placemaking, but also this invitation to participate. And I think um, that takes, you know, the pride in the community and like that placemaking to a different level. I just think it's super, super cool. And just to be at the mouth of, and, and maybe I'm biased because I think Rio Town is the greatest neighborhood <laughs> in Lansing. I love Rio Town. I love the businesses. I love the energy. I love the people. But um, I think having it right there at the mouth of Rio Town is such a cool um, and and like really visual place, you know, and, and you don't have to go into a museum. You don't have to go into a gallery. Like it's there. It's there for everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to pay an entrance fee to enjoy a piece of art like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you talked a little bit about going through that, that call for artists process and how you got some of those. Um, so, so what can you share with other people in the creative community about how to successfully answer those calls and the impact that it makes on you to be able to grow as an artist too? Oh yeah. Um, I think something that I have learned and something that I notice with a lot of other, um, I think especially emerging artists. And and I say that, um, I say emerging artists as in like, I, I still consider myself to a point to be emerging artists. Mm-hmm. And I was in that space for a long, long time. Um, and as an art educator, I also have like a huge heart for like emerging artists that are working on their art and maybe they haven't found their aesthetic yet and they're still like developing. So um, I think there is this impatience with people like me. Like I know myself, like, why haven't I made it yet? You know, oh, well, I've been, I learned to draw two years ago. You're going to have to work a little bit longer than that. Yeah. You know? 
<laughs> but um, this passion and this zest for like, I want to be great, sometimes gets in the way of like reality and just knowing that it's going to take it's going to take some time. It's going to take some years. And the, the fact of the matter is the more you apply for things, the, the better your chances are of getting them. But the amount of no's, especially in the children's book industry, mm -hmm. the amount of rejection letters that I get is like way higher than the amount of things that I get, you know? And, um, I think that's that's something that um, if if you're on the outside looking in and you see somebody, wow, they're really they got this and they got that and they're doing great things. What they don't see is like <laughs> my inbox of no's mm -hmm. and and the times that I need to have a little cry, you know, after I didn't get something I really really wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and and that never stops feeling personal. It's just, do you get back on the horse? Do you, you know, throw another letter out into the universe? Do you try six years in a row after your fifth year that you got a no for something? You know, it's just like, it's, it's hard sometimes to keep going after so many no's, but the more, um, the more you try for some, for stuff, the more you're going to get. So I think that's a big thing, like applying for things, um, even when you're getting rejections, because everybody gets rejections and it's not personal and it's not like a reflection on you and your soul, you know, but, <laughs> but you just got to keep going. So that is such a healthy perspective. I think, you know, especially with social media, we have a lot of impressions that there aren't all these no's happening out there because you're only uh, uh, not you, the everybody is talking yeah. about the yeses. They're, they're celebrating the yeses, but the no's are, are, are fruitful and very real. <laughs> and, oh. and so that's a great um, lens to use to look at those. Oh yeah. And, and social media and Instagram is so curated, right? Mm -hmm. If I put out there, my real life and every no that I got, people would probably be like, is she okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring over some wine, you know, like, <laughs> It's all curated. Everybody's page yeah. is curated and you're, mm -hmm. you're only going to put out the yeses and not the noes. Right. But yeah, everybody has them. Yep. <laughs> well, so what projects do you have on the horizon? What are you looking forward to in the new year? Yeah. Um, I think, well, I'm in one of those places where I've taken a step back from my um, children's book stuff and I'm kind of, I'm a little bit chomping at the bit to get back into it. So um, I'm, I'm making myself wait until the new year to really dive back in because I know once I do, it's going to be like, you know, blinders on. So that'll be in the new year, um, kind of reevaluating some of the book projects. And then also the newest thing is licensing. I'm um, getting into kind of the world of licensing. I had a dear friend who suggested my um, origami inspired pieces. Um, put in pattern form would make really good um, surface design. So wallpaper mm -hmm. and um, like interiors and stuff like that. So um, I've kind of, I, I was diving into that and um, I went to a conference in New York and made some connections. And so that is um, 
what I'm working on currently and hopefully will continue to work on in the new year is just putting out those um, patterns and getting them licensed for service designs and in people's homes and um, maybe some passive income. I don't know. A girl can dream. Right. <laughs> passive income is the dream, right? <laughs> Someday. Yes. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you've come such a long way from I didn't think about drawing until I was an adult <laughs> to all of these different avenues that you have to to share your creativity and express yourself. Um, yeah. what, it, you probably can't guess what's next because you haven't been able to even guess what these pieces yeah. were. But like what what's still out there, do you think, for you? Oh, my gosh. That's the thing. It's like. I think just being open to like, even, even maybe six months ago, I was not even considering licensing or service design. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a thing about it, you know? So <laughs> when I, when I think of it, Oh, somebody suggested I should do this. You know, then it's like consuming all the YouTube videos and the podcasts and the mm -hmm. interviews and trying to learn everything about it and then diving in. So, I don't know. I know I'm a bit compulsive and all over the place. And um, so I think instead of trying to guess what's next, maybe I can be hopeful that it's <laughs> a productive avenue <laughs> to head down whenever it hits me. I love that because we can't know sometimes and there may be opportunities you just have never thought of or heard of that are so perfect for you, right? Yeah. Well, and that, um, going back to what you said about, um, like, uh, being kind of late to the game when mm -hmm. I was starting to draw, that was something that I would tell my students a lot of times. And then other people, you know, that, um, you, you hear it all the time, like, oh, I can't draw a stick person and I can't, you know, I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. And it's like, well, I, you know, I've been practicing for 20 years and especially the kids, it's like. If you start now, like an eight-year-old who's drawing, and you're like, that's amazing. If you mm -hmm. continue to practice by the time you are my age, you're going to be so much better than what I'm at right now. Right. You know? So it's just like work hard at it. And whatever you work hard at, that's what you get better at. Because like mm -hmm. we know now that our brains are plastic, right? And and they're um, you can grow your brain and you can get better at things and you're not – born creative or not creative you can become more creative you can become a better drawer mm -hmm. and so just um using that knowledge i think that's something that i can encourage other people with but also it's an encouragement to me if i'm like wow i suck at this and it's like Son, you have sucked at a lot of things that you are better at now so if you if you want to be better at this that's possible for you, you mm -hmm. know, just, just work at it. Like you don't have to be amazing. You just have to work hard. And yeah. if that's what it comes down to, I'm okay with having to work hard at something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where can folks find you online to get a glimpse of all of this, this work that you've done and all the things you create? Sure. My website is tawnythaylor.com. Mm -hmm. And then my, um, my Instagram is probably what I'm most active on. And it's mm -hmm. just, my full name squashed all together for the Bonnie Thaler um, on Instagram. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Well, good luck with all these new projects and, and new endeavors. Um, I, it, it's exciting to watch this evolve for folks. And um, I just really appreciate the perspective you have on all of this. So I'm going to enjoy watching your career evolve. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> great interview.
Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Marissa. This podcast has been a production of the Arts Council of Greater Lansing. To learn more about them, go to lansingarts.org.